So the big question is, how much is too much and how much is not enough when it comes to exercising and working our dogs? I've gotten this question, I think, three times just this week alone, people wanting to know, how do I know when I'm doing too much? I'm worried I'm going to hurt my dog. How do I know when maybe I should do more? What is that line? How do I make these decisions? And this is something that I want to talk to you about today. Um, I'm going to give you some quick tips and things that I look at and things that I consider whenever I'm trying to decide if I need to progress my dog's training and fitness forward or whether I need to bring things back. It's, it's not black and white. There is no one right or wrong answer that kind of fits everybody. But I'm going to give you some tips that I think these can apply for working dogs, sport dogs. It could even be family pet dogs if you're just starting to get more active with them and involved. But that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight is what is, or depending on when you're watching, it could be during the day, what is too much? What is not enough? How do you make these decisions? And what are some things that kind of quick things we can look at to help us make these decisions? So thank you, thank you for joining me. If this is your first time, I just wanna do a quick introduction. My name is Erica Bowling. I am the owner and founder of Northeast Canine Conditioning. I love helping people take their sport dogs and working dogs and turning them into elite canine athletes. And I also enjoy helping people with their pet dogs, keeping them health, healthy, fit, and injury-free. And um, today we're talking about building those fitness programs, getting our dogs more active. How do we know when to increase things? How do we know when to bring them back? How do we know when we're right on the verge of possibly doing too much and possibly getting our dogs injured? So thank you for joining us. I'd love for you to comment and let me know um, what do you do with dogs? Are you involved in dog sports, working dogs? What kind of sports and activities? Because when I'm giving examples, um, it will be helpful for me to know what your background is. So hi, Kim, thank you for joining us. So um, even if it's just like a, a family pet, an active family pet with hiking, um, it'd be really good for me to let, let me know where is it, what activities are you doing when you're not sure whether or not you're doing too much or not enough with your dogs. So um, a few things we have to attend to getting started is number one, when I'm talking about fitness and exercise, I'm talking about fitness and exercise for dogs that are physically mature. Um, I have a whole nother video on working with puppies. I have a whole nother video on talking about senior dogs. And there's special considerations for puppies, for senior dogs. A lot of what I'm going to talk about can also apply um, to some degree. But what I'm going to be talking about in the examples and when I'm thinking about examples, I'm thinking about healthy dogs, physically mature dogs, dogs that have been cleared by a veterinarian and can participate in exercise. OK, I'm not going to be talking about if a dog has had an injury, a surgery, and you're trying to decide whether you should do more with your dog. You need to go to your veterinarian, your physical therapist for that. So I just want to make that clear. We're talking about physically mature dogs and we're talking about dogs that are injury free or they if they've been injured they've been cleared by a vet so um so again and also free of pain if you think there's any potential sign of soreness or pain don't do exercises make sure you get your dog checked out so um ruthann lure coursing straight and oval racing and uh oh dock diving yes um uh, hey, Jojo, thank you for joining us. Yeah, you guys let me know what kinds of activities you do, sport or work, and I'll bring in some examples. Okay, so let's, um, let's just jump right in. So how do you know um, if you're doing too much or not enough? The first thing you need to ask yourself is what is normal for your dog, okay? What is your normal activity? If your acti normal activity is doing dock diving one day a week, 
if your normal activity is to do um, lure coursing practice three times a week, a certain distance, you need to ask yourself, what is normal? What is the amount, the intensity, the duration, how many times per week, how many times per day? What is normal for your dog? So when you make a big jump, when you go from doing competing one day a week to all of a sudden you're competing three days a week, or you're used to doing um, lure coursing two days a week and you're used to doing it for a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden you double it, okay? That right there, a big drastic increase is a potential sign that you may be doing too much too soon. Um, it greatly varies depending on what you're doing. One common rule of, of uh, thought is to increase in increments of like 10%. So if your dog is you know used to running five miles, you're not going to overnight all of a sudden start running eight miles, okay? So the first thing you need to do is what is your dog used to doing? And if your goal is to do longer, harder, more days, more intensity, you want to gradually build that up over time, over weeks. It could even be months. So the first thing is, did you make a big jump in the distance, in the number of days per week, in the intensity of the work you're doing? Because if you make that drastic jump, you're putting your dog at risk. If my dog is used to only exercising and running and doing things on the flat, and then all of a sudden I start doing hill work and I do 20, 30 minutes of hill work and my dog does not do hill work on a weekly basis, I am, I'm, push, I'm pushing my dog, okay? Going from zero hill work to 30 minutes, all of a sudden that is a big jump, um, especially when your dog um, has not been conditioned to it. So, um, Oh, yes. Yeah, so question here. Um, getting a working canine ready for season changes in temperatures, going from winter into spring and summer, conditioning the canine for summer temperatures. Yes, yes, you have to be. That's another good thing to think about is what is normal for your dog and what is not. So not just the intensity, the workload, the duration, right? Also, what is normal for the working conditions for your dog? Is your dog used to working in high humidity? Is your dog used to working in high altitudes? Is your dog used to working in 25 and 30 degree weather and then now Fahrenheit and then all of a sudden it's 70 degrees or 65 degrees? So when you have also a big jump in environmental changes like that, that is potentially putting your dog at risk. If your climate is changing and if you're going from cold weather to hot weather and it changes really quickly, your dog needs a number of weeks to acclimate. And so if you just have a bunch of cool weather and then two days of hot weather and then cool weather, your dog's your dog has not had time to acclimate to that change in temperature. So um, so that is definitely something that if you're having those big changes in temperature, in um, humidity, in heat, whatever it might be, you have to know that your dog, if it changed in 30 degrees or 25 degrees overnight and you've not been training in that temperature, in that humidity, you must bring things down. You must have lower expectations. Your dog is not conditioned for that. Your dog's not ready. Um, so those are, and also knowing the signs of heat stroke. Um, I've got a video, I'll, I'll pull it up. It's an old YouTube video that I put up on heat stroke. And um, when I'm done going live, I'll put the video replay in here, but make sure you know the signs, the symptoms of heat stroke, overheating, potential overheating of your dog. Those are things you're really gonna to wanna to watch very closely for, the body temperature of your dog. 
Um, so, um, so what is normal? What is your dog used to doing environmentally, temperature, humidity, the amount of time, the type of exercise? So um, another thing to think about is if normal is training four days a week and then you had a two-week vacation and then you came back and you were super busy, right, and you missed another two weeks, well, your dog's normal is not five days a week of training. Your normal is now very inconsistent. Your normal is drastically different now than it was six weeks ago. So you have to consider those things um, to basically bring your dog down, go back to kind of basics and gradually build your dog back up. Those are things to keep in mind. Um, here's another thing is um, to consider is, is your dog performing exercises correctly? So let me pull up by um, a picture here. So let's say that I'm doing exercises on like some equipment. So let's say your dog knows how to perform exercises correctly, but then your dog's position and form is just deteriorating. Your dog, you know, can sit on the equipment and is nice and sitting nice and tall. The legs are nice and proper, um, sitting nice and tucked with the legs underneath and in control. And then you start to see your dog going splay legged. You start to see your dog getting bad posture. You start to see the feet from being nice and tucked underneath to towing out on the side and the, the, the hips opening up. These are things when your dog's, when the form and the posture and the behavior they're doing starts to deteriorate, a couple things there, either it's too difficult for your dog to begin with, or your dog has gotten fatigued and you need to take a break. Um, but those are signs of watching your dog's form, watching your dog's posture, and watching how well your dog performs that behavior. So it could be in jumping. You know, maybe your dog's normally a good jumper, and then all of a sudden your dog is not jumping well, is jumping poorly. Your dog normally has good form, and now the form is deteriorating. You're either asking too much of your dog too soon, or maybe your dog is, you know, getting to the point of fatigue and tired, and the whole form is deteriorating. And so it's not just a matter of your dog getting tired, but looking at your dog's accuracy and the efficiency in being able to perform a behavior. And when you start to see that fall apart, those are some signs that you are starting to push your dog beyond um, what they should be doing. Another thing is, um, let me see if I got up. Another thing to be aware of, I see this a lot, is people will put dogs on equipment and their dogs cannot maintain and hold a position. They're wobbling, they're quivering, their legs are going all over. If your dog cannot hold a position, control their body movement and 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 hold that for you know 15 20 30 seconds your dog is not ready for what you're asking them to do so this picture here this dog is on um it's a it's a donut and it's very unstable it has a hole in the middle and it's really rounded and even with that holder on the bottom to help stabilize it it's still very unstable this is more for like advanced uh an advanced exercise and then when you have the dog with all four feet on the equipment, that's even more challenging. If your dog hops up on a piece of equipment like this and your dog is just shaking and wobbling and the legs are moving all over, your, your dog does not have control over its body. Your dog does not have good balance. Your dog is struggling. And so if your dog is you know, wobbling all over the place and quivering and cannot hold good posture, 
your dog's not ready for that. Another thing is the sit pretty, the sit pretty where the dogs sit up and beg. Um, there's a lot, there's some controversy over that. I'm not gonna get into that today, but um, I see people that the dog can do a sit pretty. The dog's doing it, but they're doing it and their legs are splayed out, their back has an arch in it and the dogs are wobbling all over. The dog should not be doing that exercise because they are not performing it correctly and they cannot maintain proper form. So those are the, some, some of the things that you, want to, um, that you want to watch for. Proper form is really important. Let me see, I might have another picture here of, uh, here we go. Let me, let me show you one more picture of dogs on equipment. These came from the FitPaws website. Um, but here, let me uh, enlarge this a little bit. Okay, so here you see the dogs on the wobble board. And so what I'm looking for is I want the dogs to sit nice and straight. I want a flat back. I want their legs nice and tucked underneath them. They're going to wobble a bit because it's called a wobble board. But if they are just wobbling all over the place and their legs can't stay in position and they just they go off and come on and go off and come on, they might not be ready. You might want to stabilize it underneath a little more. Um, another thing to watch for that could be a sign that your dog is struggling or it's you're asking too much for your dog is if you have avoidance behaviors. If um, my dog, when he's getting tired or if he's doing something too challenging, he wants to get off the equipment. Okay, so if he keeps kind of wanting to get off, I am not going to force him onto the equipment because one of the signs that either it could be insecurity. And of course, if our dog's not secure um, and secure with their balance or the equipment, we don't want to force them. But one of the signs that you might be pushing your dog is your dog starts to give you avoidance behaviors or the dog wants to hop off. The well, that is avoidance, right? <laughs> the dog wants to hop off. The dog doesn't want to stay on the equipment. Um, so those are some other things to think about. Um, another thing to think about, oh, let me give you another example of form. Here's a picture of a, a disc dog, a dog doing, you know, playing with the Frisbee. So let's say that you're teaching your dog um, to jump properly. You want the dog to have nice controlled jumps when it's going up for the Frisbee, right? And let's say you're starting to do more difficult throws and your dog is losing control of its body. When it's coming down, it's landing all out of balance. Um, it's not coming down in control of its body. Those are other signs that your dog is not maintaining good, correct posture and good form. So it could be where the dogs are doing behaviors on the ground, but also if you're asking them to do jumping, leaping, is the dog in control of their body when they're going off the ground and when they're coming down to back to the earth, right? So if my dog is leaping in the air and he's not having control of his body, he's coming down twisted, a leg you know, buckles underneath him, okay, that is not correct form. That is not proper, that's not a proper exercise. So if you're seeing that type of stuff, you need to stop. Don't throw the Frisbee up over the dog's head if he can't land and be controlled of his body and he's just all over the place. Um, I am not a good Frisbee thrower. I did it like one time with Bocce and um, it was, uh, and he's not super coordinated and it went too high over his head. He leapt up in the air and he was so uncoordinated coming down on the ground. Like his legs were all over the place. It was not graceful at all. Um, and I was like, never again, I'm never doing Frisbee with him because I can't control my throws. And if I go too high or it's not a good throw, he does not have the control over his body to do um, a nice landing. 
So I was like, all right, Frisbee is not for us. <laughs> so those are some things, um, some things to think about. Oh, thank you, Kim, for posting that. Kim just posted a canine fitness recognized in preventing heat stroke. Thank you, thank you. Um, so those are other examples of a dog not being able to perform the behavior behavior accurately. Um, another thing, this and, and this I use a lot, is recovery time. Your dog's recovery time can tell you a lot about your dog's fitness level. Uh, and this is something I really notice a lot when we go from winter time into springtime. If your dog's not used to, you know, doing that, you know, heavy training or picking up increased training as we enter springtime in nicer weather. And what I notice is in the springtime, right after winter, when I'm training my dog, his recovery time takes forever. Um, when he's working hard, it takes a long time for his body to cool down. He's panting for a long time. Um, he's breathing heavier. His ears are really pink. It takes a long time for his ears, the coloring to come back to normal, the respiration to come back to normal, his body, you know, the, the temperature to come back to normal, and his panting comes back to normal. You know, either no panting or just, you know, a little bit of panting. So if your dog is taking a long time, notice how long it's taking your dog to get back to kind of that normal rate, whatever's normal before exercise began. And pay attention to how long it takes your dog to get back to normal um, and at a resting state. Because you should notice as your dog gets more and more fit, your recovery time should be faster. Um, except keep in mind that if you overtrain your dog, it's like humans. If I overtrain my dog, we can actually see a decline in fitness. So um, if you're doing crazy training, tons and tons of training, and you're, and you're like, gosh, this is crazy. You know, my recovery time should be getting better. You might be doing overtraining. Um, and also be aware um, where I live, we have a lot of Lyme disease. And um, I've seen so many dogs in training and the owners are like, oh my gosh, he has no energy. He has no energy. He's just, um, you know, we train and we train and he's just like, he's not recovering well. And um, the dog should be in good fitness because they've been training a lot. And every single time I heard my friends complaining about this, they took the dog to the vet and the dog had Lyme disease. And so um, keep that in mind that anytime something's kind of not normal, if you're doing a, a lot of training and you think your dog should be getting more and more fit, and instead you're seeing symptoms of a dog that is deconditioned and not fit, there may be other things going on. And like I said, the first thing I see when I hear people around me complaining about their dog, fatigue, tired, not recovering quickly, uh, so often I see where I am in the Northeast, uh, a lot of times it's Lyme disease. So um, don't hesitate. If you think something's not normal and your dog should be behaving in a different way, go get your dog checked out with a veterinarian. But the recovery time can tell you a lot. Um, yes, Kim said proper nutrition definitely can play a role in that. Nutrition definitely. Um, nutrition and also um, post-exercise recovery. Supplements, hydration. So sometimes if your dog is not um, recovering uh, properly with, you might need some supplements, you might, maybe your dog's a little dehydrated. Those are also things that can affect uh, recovery time. So um, if, if you know your dog well, like I can tell patterns in my dog, his recovery time a lot of times is most definitely related to fitness level. And then also my, um, my dogs don't handle the heat or humidity well. 
And so um, the other day, it was just a, a few degrees warmer than normal. Normally, we, we've been running in 40 and 50 degree weather, and it was about 63 degrees, and I noticed a big difference in my dog. But I know um, that temperature for him, and I think it was a little bit more humid that day, um, made a big difference. And I just took it really easy. We would, we would run, walk, run, walk. I was doing canny cross. We did like three, four miles. And um, just a little bit difference in the temperature because it's it's uh, getting warmer here. Um, I knew we, we had not been doing any training in 60 degree weather. This week we started doing, a, we had one or two days in 60 degree weather, but um, we've been training 40 and 50 degrees. So, you know, even like 56, 58 and just, you know, five or six degrees difference. And I saw, I definitely saw a difference in my dog in his energy level and his recovery time. Um, because the changes in temperature really affect him and humidity hugely affect him. Um, one more thing here is um, overall performance. So looking at your dog's overall performance, and there's a lot of different things to look at here. Um, some of the things that I notice definitely um, when my dog, sometimes when he's working really hard and he's had enough, um, sometimes like his eyes get just kind of a little, he's not as alert not like glazed over. Definitely when we've gotten into like danger zone, you see like a glazed look in his eyes, but just not a, this bright alert look in his eyes. And then also um, what I've had with my dogs happen is when they're really pushing their limit, they um, it's like their brain leaves them. <laughs> they, they're starting to overheat, they're working hard and you're giving them commands like sit down, you know, stand. And they just look at you like, what? <laughs> and um, I had a trainer one time and he was like, oh, you know, you need to be more strict with your dog. Your dog's blowing you off. That's not what was happening. My dog was really, really hot. Um, my dog was, um, he was overheating, not to the point of heat stroke, but he was not, you know, he was fatigued, he was hot and he needed to recover. And um, his brain was just mush. He just was not responding. And a perfect example of that is, um, how I, I can totally relate and why I know it wasn't him ignoring me on purpose was one day I was boxing in the gym. It was in the summer and we had no air conditioning in the gym. The gym was probably about like 90, 90 degrees. It felt like it felt like in the nineties. And um, my coach gives me a series of combination punches. So sometimes he'll, he'll call out six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 punches in a row and then I have to do the combination and I have to remember the series of punches. And it was at the end of training. I was hot. I was tired. I mean, I was just, I was, I was just mush. I, I, my brain was not working. And my trainer, he, he called off a series of like eight different punches. And I was paying really close attention. He says, you know, do a right hook, a jab, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay, go. And, and, I had already forgotten. I was concentrating so hard and he would he would give me a series of punches. As soon as he said, go, I, I couldn't remember what he told me. And I said, I'm sorry, could you please repeat that? And I'm, I was focusing and listening really hard. He would repeat it. And then as soon as I started to punch, I, I, for, I couldn't remember. I could not remember what he was telling me. And it was crazy. It was like my brain just stopped working. And I was super hot. I was tired. It was at the end of a session, an hour-long session in a hot gym, no air conditioning. And so when my dog, when that happened to my dog and I was giving him basic commands and he was really hot and he was just staring at me 
and I was like, sit, you know, sit. <laughs> and he was just staring at me. He was not doing basic behaviors. I was like, oh my gosh, I can so totally relate to him. Um, so those are other things that sometimes you might, I've seen people accuse their dogs of, you know, not listening and being obstinate. But sometimes it's just, you know, when you're, when you're done, you're done, your, your brain, you're just finished and you can't do much more. Like I said, I tried so hard. I was focusing and looking right at my coach. And as he was telling me the series of, of combinations, I, I was trying so hard to remember and I could not remember. My brain just wasn't working. So, so those are the types of things is looking at the overall performance of your dog. Those types of things, you know, kind of zoning out They're They just aren't responding. Um, you know, they're panting hard. They're starting to look for shade. Um, those are signs of, you know, you, you're pushing it. Your dog's overheating possibly. Um, and, and it's time to just to take a break. <laughs> um, those are some of the things um, to think about. Also, a lot of people don't do this. Most people don't do this. But if you really, really want to have some some actual data to, to some evidence of your dog's fitness level is collect data. Um, for example, if, if you do if you run a certain distance and uh, you're running the baseball field and, and your dog's doing laps, pay attention to like how many laps does your dog do before he starts to act tired. Um, you can even time it. How fast does it take to go from one end of the field to the other end of the field? And over time, start documenting, you know, what was the temperature of the day? How long was he, he running? Um, how fast was he running? How many repetitions did you do? And then start to notice if you do the same distance, the same activity, the same time of day, the same humidity, and you see your dog is getting better, 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 and faster and faster and faster, then it might be time to push your dog, go to the next level. But if you're training and it's been eight weeks and you're, you're timing your dog and you're monitoring your dog and the speed is not getting better, the speed is getting slower, the recovery time is getting slower, okay, then something's going on there. It could be your training program. It could be how you design your training program. It could be something else. But um, actually getting data, collecting data, paying attention to even descriptive stuff, you know, um, take a little video after maybe going 10 minutes on the treadmill at a certain speed, at a certain incline and videotape your dog. And then after training for eight weeks, use it as like an assessment, put your dog on the treadmill, do the exact same thing, the same amount of time, the same, you know, incline. Um, if it's indoors, you have, you know, control of the air, right? The temperature and videotape your dog again and compare how is your dog at the end of a 10 minute trot on the treadmill before your eight week program of training? And then after eight weeks or 12 weeks of training, how did your dog do and how tired did your dog look and how fast did your dog recover after that training you know, number of weeks? And so having actual data like that, um, that is going to give you a, a much better sense of what's actually happening with your dog. Is your dog actually getting better? Is your dog getting faster? Is your dog getting stronger? Is your dog recovering faster? Are you actually paying attention to that kind of data? Um, so if it's something that you're really serious about and you really want to see improvement and you really wanna know, is your fitness plan working? So collect, collecting that kind of data can help you get a sense of whether it's supporting your gut feeling that whether something is working or you think your dog's getting faster, you'll have some evidence to support it. Um, yes, Kim said, check their gum coloration. 
Humidity is super, super tough. Hey, Michael, thank you for joining us. Um, so those, like I said, there are there are a lot of different things. Those are some of the key ones that um, I frequently run across and things that I use when I'm thinking about, you know, am I doing too much with my dog? Do I need to back things down? Um, and if there's some other things that you guys like to use and or sometimes some dogs have their own little quirks, their own little unique things that indicate whether, um, you know, you've done too much um, for for Knox. Um, one of the things for Knox, whoops, there we go. Um, what, uh, sorry, let me pull, I was pulling up a different page for you guys to see. Let me change let this. Me change this. Huh. 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 All right, I'm getting, there we go. I had BeLive opened in two websites and it was giving me echoing. I hope you guys didn't hear it, but if you did, there we go. If you're ever using this BeLive TV, don't open two windows at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, what I was saying was, um, if you guys have other things that you note to tell whether your dogs are, you know, something's too easy or too hard, let me know what those considerations are. Um, let me just give you two examples here. One of my dogs, when he's starting to get over, you know, overheated, he his breathing greatly changes. Um, he, he his mouth is open really wide. His tongue is, you know, that scooping tongue, wider tongue. And sometimes you'll see the dogs. What they'll do is they kind of lift their, they look up to the air. They like it's like they're almost like gasping for air, and they'll turn their nose up to the air. His whole behavior and his breathing changes. My other dog, when he's getting near that kind of red zone, like, you know, we're really pushing it, his breathing doesn't, it changes, but not so distinctly. For him, the big, big key thing for him is the inside of his ears. They turn a bright, bright, bright pink. And when his ears get that really bright pink, that's like danger zone. Like I, I have to really immediately start to bring him down, cool him off and um, take it easy with him. His breathing does not change as drastic as my other dog. So if, if I waited for him to have those big changes in his breathing, he would probably go into heat stroke. So, um, so it's really important to really know your individual dog and to know what, um, what some of those little signs are that might be unique to your dog that reveals that. Um, like I said, for, for Knox, it's the, the inside of his ears. And when I do protection sports and the decoys working him, um, I normally I'm behind him, so I can't see his ears and the decoys working him. And so what I do is when I'm working with trainers and decoys, I tell them, you know, when you're working my dog and he's biting you, pay attention to the inside, the color of his ears, because if they're doing some exercises and they're doing in French ring, they might be doing some escorting and then the dog's biting and then escorting and biting. They might spend five, 10 minutes going around the field doing this. And I'm walking behind the dog. So for me, it's important that I educate the decoy on what my dog's signs are that he's starting to overheat. And, um, and that's one of the things I make sure that I tell the people I'm training with because I, I, can't, I might go five, 10 minutes and I'm not, I can't see his ears and he's biting. He's, he's biting the sleeve or he's biting the suit. And, um, and it's hard for me to notice any behavior to see that he's starting to overheat. But for him, his ears are, are a big, big sign. So Ruthann says, my dogs start to get bitey with each other and then they are free running uh, when they are free running and getting tired and then you leash them for a short time. 
yeah, um, it's it's weird. They all have their own little unique quirks. I mean, there are some very common, you know, common signs of heat stroke, common signs that you're pushing your dog too much. But I do find dogs have their own little unique ways to tell you. Um, interesting. So they start getting bitey. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if there are some different unique things, let us know because some people might, their dog might have that sign and they might not even know to think and to look for it. So I would love to hear any of you that have some of those unique things that your dogs uh, do to indicate that you're, you're pushing too hard. You've gone that one step too far. You need to bring it back down. Um, when it comes to making things, you know, more difficult, the main thing is you want to make sure you have a really good recovery time. Your dog is performing really well over and over, maintaining um, good performance, good form. Um, you're doing it over a matter of weeks. Things are looking really, really well. You can now start to make things more difficult. But again, in increments, in small increments, and give your time, your dog time. Don't just, if you're only training twice a week, every single week, you don't want to keep increasing, 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 because the dog's body's not having time to, to adapt to that heavier workload. So um, once you make things more difficult, you want to be doing it, you know, conditioning them to multiple times a week. And you want to be doing that for a few weeks to see how your dog performs before you start making it more challenging. And if you're only doing it one day a week, it's going to be hard to see much progress. Um, it's like if I go to the gym and I lift weights one day a week, um, by the time I go back the next week, I'm kind of already deconditioned. And it's going to be a lot harder to build my muscle and strength if I'm only doing it one day a week. So, um, so also if you're going to be looking at increasing things and making them more challenging, make sure you have a consistent program on an ongoing basis that your dog is getting regular work and exercise. Um, because if not, you're not giving their bodies time to adapt to that heavier workload. Um, Ruthann says racing dogs are not to touch each other. So, um, so it is stopped. Mm. Yeah, so those are different things. Um, like I said, it's 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 interesting what one one sign from one dog, if I wait for it for the other, like Bachi, if I waited for his ears to get that color, like he would probably already have heat stroke because his ears never get that bright red compared to Knox. So one thing I want to put up here, if you have not downloaded my I have a canine fitness guide, um, you can download it at the URL, I have a shortened URL, is tinyurl.com slash K9, the letter K, the number nine guide. Let me double check. I think I might have it on my website. Uh, I don't think it's on my website yet. Mm, it's not on my website yet. Um, but uh, after I'm done going live, I will put the link for my K9 um, fitness planning guide. And this is something I, I put out earlier in the year and I, uh, I revise it um, every so often. But it's just a little guide where you can start thinking about what are you currently doing with your dog in strength training and cardio and flexibility in sports specific activities and start thinking about where are you doing well in certain areas and maybe what areas of fitness are you ignoring. So having a balanced program is really, really important. Okay, you guys, I'm getting ready to log off. But before I do, are there any questions? Any questions at all here? Let me see. I'm, if you're posting, I have this shared on a couple different websites. So I will go back to the video replay. Um, and if you are watching the video replay, write your questions, write your comments and share because I do go back. I do go back and I read and I'll respond. But um, this is uh, every Friday, 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. Eastern time 
on my Northeast Canine Conditioning on my Facebook business page is when you can catch me live. Uh, I love having you guys join me live. Um, come join me next week if you can, but if you aren't watching me live or if you catch this afterwards, if any of this was helpful, please feel free to share this video, share it, pass it along. If it was helpful for you, it can be helpful for others. It could even save a life. It could help somebody recognize possible heat stroke. It could prevent an injury. Somebody might be seeing symptoms that they need to stop doing what they're doing, but they don't know. They don't know that. So um, Olga, hey, Olga, thanks for jumping in and saying hello. Kristen, thank you for joining us. And Ruth Ann, thank you, thank you. And Kim and Michael. Uh, Kristen, awesome. Okay, you guys, I'm gonna log off, but let me know if you um, have any questions. If you have not downloaded it right here, the tinyurl.com slash K9 guide, the letter K, the number nine guide, um, and download that. And uh, please try to come catch me on Fridays, 8.30 p.m. Love to have you live and share these out. Um, check out my videos on my business page, my Facebook business page. I've got over like 70 hours of videos on fitness and on business topics. And I got a little bit of some motivational, inspirational videos there too. Um, so thank you for joining. Hope this was helpful. Let me know if there's um, some other signs and indications that you find that you're pushing your dog too hard and you need to back things off or things are too easy and share and spread the knowledge. So logging off. Thank you again. I will talk to you guys soon next week. Bye-bye for now.